Welcome to another UCTV.TV podcast presented by University of California Television. When James Parkinson's originally uh, described Parkinson's disease, it was thought just to be a movement disorder. This is a disease that needs to be recognized early because there are treatments that might affect the natural history and may slow down the course of the disease. Yeah, I was very happy about being diagnosed. I felt like I was young. I felt like I was healthy. I felt like I took care of myself. I saw my orthopedic surgeon because I was feeling a lot of pain in my leg and uh, he pretty much told me it was all in my head. I think it's important to understand what Parkinson's is. It is a chronic disease, but it's one that you can live with and you can have a long and fulfilling life with it. You know, when you're sick, you usually get better. I thought, well, you know, okay, so this is, this is a problem, but you know, it'll probably get better, which is, of course, totally wrong. All the treatments we have right now deal with symptoms. They're basically band-aids for the disease. They don't address the underlying disease, which just keeps getting worse anyway. You know, I feel like I can accommodate whatever comes along and I'm ready to. My mind is, is still that of, of, of a person that was uh, racing bicycle. But my, my, my body isn't. The life expectancy is almost the same as for people who don't have Parkinson's disease. Typically, patients do not die from Parkinson's disease. They die with Parkinson's disease. Sometimes just in my bed, I just pull the covers over my head going, I just need this day to end. But that doesn't happen very often. And the next day happens and joy comes in the morning and, and the darkness is over and I face another day. With this hand, let me see you do this. Many people don't understand what Parkinson's disease is. Follow it with your eye. Parkinson's disease is the occurrence of a group of symptoms and signs that together constitute Parkinsonism. In the absence of any obvious known cause and without evidence of more widespread disease. Parkinson's disease is a characteristic clinical disorder uh, notable for three major symptoms. Uh, one is a tremor, which is often the first one that appears, a very characteristic tremor. Another is bradykinesia, which is slowness of movement. And the last is rigidity or stiffness. And those are the characteristic features, and it's, it's not just those three symptoms. It's the way in which they begin. It's the way that they progress. It's a, it's, a, it's a larger picture which is recognizable by many clinical neurologists as idiopathic Parkinson's disease. With your right hand, can you do this big and fast with the pointer and thumb and just keep going? It is due to a loss of a number of neurotransmitters, including dopamine. Dopamine, which is produced in the cells with degenerating in this region called substantia nigra in the brain, is one of those chemicals that it's required to keep those wires connected. It's also worth to mention as a progressive disease that patients usually develop a very mild form of the disease that uh, gets worse and worse with time as more and more of those cells uh, degenerate. After Alzheimer's disease, this is the second most common neurodegenerative disease that there is, and probably in the United States at this time, there are more than a million people affected. It's a disease that occurs a little bit more commonly in men than women. It occurs with advancing age, and it leads to increasing disability unless patients are treated, and even then there may be some limitation. I took up a new hobby. I play the ukulele. I read more. I get involved with politics. 
in a way, it, it's caused me to look at other things that are important in life and, and, and with more appreciation for things. It seems like everyone I know who has Parkinson's has a dog, and I just think that they keep you going and moving, and it's, they don't care that I have Parkinson's. <laughs> I am a pastor of a church in San Francisco. The decision to tell my congregation was very difficult. It, it has been a tremendous challenge uh, to faith because I thought I had it all figured out. Don't worry about it and try and just lead your life to the fullest possible extent. I was training for a marathon and uh, my legs started cramping up and I had just all sorts of trouble running where I had been fine three or four months before and had successfully run the New York Marathon. Parkinson's disease is a highly variable disease. We see patients who've had Parkinson's disease for 30 and 40 years after diagnosis. Uh, some are still walking into the clinic and other patients uh, have greater disability. The only symptoms I really have that are serious at the moment are the tremor in the hand and sometimes the tremor in the foot. The fact is that most patients are very individualistic and the progression of the disease can be completely different. Parkinson's affects the right side of my body and so I drag it, but it hasn't progressed much in the past five years. When patients initially come in, they usually have had symptoms from one to two years prior to coming into the evaluation. So usually they're complaining of some vague symptoms. They're not necessarily uh, completely indicative of Parkinson's disease. So you want to do a thorough neurological evaluation to make sure that what you're looking at really truly is Parkinson's disease. Fold your arms and with your arms folded, stand up. Great. Now unfold your arms. Now can you just walk down the corridor? Good. Now can you turn around? Well, I was dragging my right leg a little bit. I was limping a little bit. I noticed in my hand uh, tremors. Finally, when my wife saw it one day, we went to the uh, internist. Right away he said, I think you have Parkinson's. And I said, There's this, I'm healthy. Uh, nobody in my family has ever had Parkinson's. That couldn't be. It should be noted that about 30% of patients who uh, come in and get diagnosed do not have a tremor. Mainly, I was holding my arm in perpendicularly. Mm -hmm. I have no, never had any tremors. It is a complex interplay of, of symptoms and findings. It might be um, greater clumsiness with a hand or an irregular footstep that develops over time. Could you make a spiral like that? In 75% of people, there is often a tremor that develops that um, may be intermittent and is usually most apparent when the hand is in the lap or suspended when one is walking. My legs used to freeze. Took me a while to, to unfreeze. I used to fall backward six, seven, eight times a day. Constantly I kept falling. I was bruised. I'm going to push you backward like this. I want you to resist me, all right? I won't let you fall. Are you ready? Go. <laughs> all right. Well done. I promised you I'd catch you. Thank goodness I did. Some individuals with Parkinson's will experience some type of cognitive problem over the course of their illness. 
Typically at the time of diagnosis, this tends to be relatively mild and may just involve slight attention difficulties, perhaps difficulties with multitasking, doing more than one thing at a time. One of the things I've noticed is that I can't divide my attention when I'm doing something. I'm either walking or I'm talking. About 30% of people with Parkinson's disease are going to develop a significant impairment of cognitive function. That commonly that's late in the course of the disease. Sleep disturbances are quite common in Parkinson's disease and fairly commonly patients or their families become aware that their speech is somewhat softer. Depression and anxiety may be the most disabling symptom. I definitely have bad days and bluer days and Parkinson's it goes with depression and it's one of the things that I, I keep my eye on and I know my doctor keeps his eye on for me. Well one of the things that Dr. Amnoff told me um, that I really appreciated, he said that if you research all the things that might happen you're going to anticipate it and the brain is a funny thing in that sometimes you might anticipate something that's not actually there because I don't know when something's new I have to ask him is this what's supposed to happen? Is this normal? You know the feeling of somebody pouring cold ice water on your head? That's the feeling. It was hard to accept it. And in the beginning, I didn't have such severe uh, symptoms that, uh, you know, really interfere with my everyday life. Physicians often have as much difficulty uh, as diagnosing Parkinson's disease as patients' families do in recognizing that something actually is wrong other than simply the advance of the years. I was at my GP for my annual physical and he asked me what this shaking going on, what was that all about? And I frankly didn't know, um, so he sent me off to a neurologist who gave me the diagnosis and it was kind of hard for me to, to accept it that, and, and I didn't for a while I think. Um, I continued on just as ignoring the fact that I had it until certain things became more and more of a problem. Many patients want to come and see us because they um, either have uncertainties about the diagnosis uh, or want a second opinion and that really is an important role that I believe we play. Well I think I had an inkling that things were coming I remember one time in particular, I was, I was very upset at work. My whole body started shaking, and I, I thought, well, that's pretty weird. I saw my orthopedic surgeon because I was feeling a lot of pain in my leg, and uh, he pretty much told me it was all in my head. And it wasn't until I had a little tremor in my hand, which I thought was low blood sugar, that uh, the hand doctor referred me to a neurologist. And I saw Dr. Christine, and uh, he did a barrage a test and he said I think you know what I'm gonna say and I was like it's all in my head and it wasn't all in my head it was Parkinson's. The diagnosis of Parkinson's disease is a clinical diagnosis there's no test that can say you do or you do not have Parkinson's disease. Now follow it down slowly keep following it. I think it's important that primary care doctors undertake a general neurological examination to exclude an underlying neurological cause for the patient's symptoms. I remember uh, waking in the middle of the night and I, th I thought this has all been a dream and uh, I stayed awake for several hours. 
thinking and praying. And then and I remember, I think that's, it started to hit me. And I cried. And uh, at that moment, everything seems the darkest, you know, because it's unknown. I was afraid. Sometimes it is difficult for the patient themselves to really acknowledge what's going on. And part of that may be because there are certain changes in the brain which make it difficult for people to fully appreciate their own uh, symptoms. Over the, the time, I've just I've become acceptant of the fact that that's who I am and this is where I, I am in my life. And I'm, you know, I'm disappointed that I can't do some of the things I would really like to do, but, you know, I'll find other things. It's, you know, it's, there's, there's a lot left. I've got a lot of time left in my life. We have identified a series of genes which we now know to cause Parkinson's disease. Well, we know that one of the other genes that's been implicated in Parkinson's disease, that that gene product called alpha-synuclein accumulates in the brain of basically everybody with Parkinson's disease. Simply making more of this protein, more of the normal alpha-synuclein protein, is sufficient to cause Parkinson's disease. Many of us believe that the cause of Parkinson's disease relates both to a genetic susceptibility and also perhaps exposure to some toxin or other in the environment. There are basically two hypotheses that we've had over the years about the pathogenesis of Parkinson's disease. One actually concerns dopamine itself. It's the dopamine neurons which degenerate in Parkinson's disease, which disappear, and as a result, patients have a dopamine deficiency. But at the same time, we know that dopamine is actually a pretty toxic compound. It's a normal neurotransmitter in all of our brains, but it's actually quite toxic. And for most people that don't get the disease, that they can handle the toxin. But for people with Parkinson's disease, they can't handle the toxin anymore. And the dopamine itself ends up killing the cells that make it, which results in a dopamine deficiency. The other factor is this protein alpha-synuclein. And we know that this protein alpha-synuclein doesn't just accumulate and kill dopamine neurons. It accumulates in many other neurons in the nervous system. And that accounts for probably a lot of the cognitive problems and other problems that Parkinson's patients get. And so the idea is that if synuclein goes up, it's going to, first of all, before it kills cells, impair all kinds of neural circuits and the behavior of your brain as a whole before you've ever lost any neurons. And then it basically starts as a functional disturbance, which eventually results in the death of some cells, such as dopamine neurons. And this actually changes the way we think about Parkinson's disease. And so we think this gives a great insight and a, and a, a way to intervene in the disease before it has progressed very far. So I noticed that it would come up and stay up? Mm-hmm. These are, you think they're happening in accents? Yeah. Okay. Let me just show you what I did with the PSD scan. Okay. The real challenge now is not just to find treatment for the symptoms, but to find treatment for the underlying disease. So we really need to understand that underlying problem before we can do something about it. The medical treatment um, primarily is with medications that treat the symptoms, so they don't treat the underlying disorder. It may be that some medications actually slow the progression of the disease. I'm on something called Azelec that uh, uh, is supposed to delay the progression of the disease. But it also, I found, uh, has alleviated some of the symptoms. 
typically over time, patients may start to respond less well to medication because the disease is advanced. The number of pills I take every day is phenomenal. Eight cinemat pills, five Comptons, and uh, three equipment <laughs> every day. Treatment has been aimed at replacing the dopamine that is deficient in Parkinson's disease. And one can do that in two ways. One can give what's called a dopamine agonist. That's a drug that acts like dopamine but actually isn't. Or one can give the precursor of dopamine that the body then converts to dopamine. And that's the drug called levodopa. Probably the most effective drug uh, for the treatment of the symptoms of the, of the disease is levodopa. It's a great relief to me when I take those pills. Cinemet four times a day, Mirapex three. Generally, that keeps me under control. I walk around with the pill box in my pocket, so I remember my medication. Medications are, are worth, worth having, even if I have some side effects that, that aren't uh, desirable. I mean, it's a balancing job. You have to balance... Do you want to do something, or do you not want to suffer from side effects? One of the complications of levodopa therapy, or cinemet therapy, is that um, it may cause abnormal movements. We call these abnormal movements dyskinesias. Those patients may well benefit from surgery, from deep brain stimulation. Dr. Emenov recommended surgery, and I was scared. <laughs> I was scared out of my mind. <laughs> so I decided I'll do the surgery and whatever happened, happens. The improvements were unbelievable. I mean, it was like a different person. Deep brain simulation or DBS is uh, essentially a pacemaker, uh, but instead of going to the heart, it goes to the brain. And we're able to uh, affect the activity in a certain part of the brain uh, that is involved in the generation of the symptoms of Parkinson's disease. And we can make some of the symptoms of Parkinson's better by using this technique. I don't fall anymore at all. I even went on vacation this summer <laughs> to Memphis, Tennessee. There is such a thing as waiting too long to do surgery. If uh, a patient's symptoms have progressed to the point where medications are no longer effective at all, it means that surgery will be no longer effective. My walker right now, it's stored in a garage, collecting dust. After DBS, the patient still has Parkinson's. Their Parkinson's will continue to progress despite the fact that they're being stimulated. Uh, and so it's not a disease-altering treatment. There is emerging research that supports the idea that an active lifestyle may forestall um, the progression of Parkinson's disease. It also gives the patient a sense that they are doing something to fight their disease. I've taken up yoga because of the uh, stretching. That seems to provide some, some uh, relief. I can walk into yoga with a stiff leg and a dragging arm and I leave and I'm walking normally. So you think I would do it more often? <laughs> I strongly counsel patients to develop an exercise routine that is sacred, that is one of their priorities in any day. I'm going to go faster? Yeah. 
I think exercise is probably one of the number one things people can do. It helps cognition. It helps generate new stem cells and new neurons in the brain. It also helps people's um, movement issues as well. I have a blog, which it's, um, it's gotten 700,000 hits. And so it's interesting to me how many people read about it. But I find that really therapeutic to get let some of my feelings out, but it also allows my friends to look at it and not have to hear it from me, but to know how I'm feeling. I've actually become the support group leader uh, about four years after I, I entered a support group. You know, the fact that these people are reaching out to support me and my problems, it's, it means a lot. We have an online support group as a Facebook thing, and it's about 18 women who are all diagnosed with young onset Parkinson's, and we're all kind of, the one rule is you have to try to remain positive, and we try not to feed off of each other's negative things, but that's really helped me out a lot, to know that I'm not alone. I wish God would say, this is going to be a bad day, so be aware, but it just doesn't happen that way. I, it, all of a sudden, I need someone to help me do something or just to be nice to me, and uh, this is, this is, it, the surprise, the unknown is very difficult for me. Uh, and so I, I accept kindness and I embrace it. I need it. I want people to help me. I think UCSF is unique in that its general mission really supports the mission of the Parkinson Center. We do outreach, we do teaching, we're involved in teaching residents and fellows. We have experts in the field, and these experts actually see the patients. We have multidisciplinary experts as well, which bring their knowledge base to our treatment of patients. And we have some very exciting cutting-edge research. So the green is the VMAT floor, and the blue is the uh, PSN-95. Once I came to terms with it, that's when I decided I'm going to go to UC, where they they know what's going on. They're, they're on the cutting edge, and I want to be part of that. There are many clinical trials of potential uh, therapeutic agents underway, and if patients want to take part in these trials, they only have to contact us. My group has been working over the years on trying to really deliver drugs directly to the brain using neurosurgical technology. So now we're using this technology now to deliver the viral vectors. I, I went through a clinical trial here at UCSF and uh, I had a uh, gene transfer therapy where, where they injected a gene into a part of my brain to stimulate it into producing dopamine. And uh, it, it produced great results. I'm happy I did this because it gave me a chance to contribute something to science. Even though it isn't the cure, it might be a step in learning more about the disease and, uh, and benefit, benefit people. If you just think about this whole concept of being able to, um, to deliver substances to the brain uh, that can rejuvenate the cells, or give rise to the cells which are within the brain, and these are stem cells, that may be able to actually pick up the function of the neuron that has died. I mean, this is the ultimate goal. And I don't think I'm imagining things. I mean, we have proof um, that this actually can take place.
because Parkinson's is within a, a small area in the brain, it's a good candidate for stem cell research. There are many fundamental questions that need to be answered before stem cell therapy can be brought into the clinical arena. Part of that is we have to be cautious. So the stakes are high. I mean, that could really be a incredibly um, good news for, for the patients with Parkinson's disease. I'm open to anything. I'll do anything. Anything that is coming down, any kind of uh, new medication, please put me on it. You know, uh, and one of them, in fact, has been <laughs> really negative for me. Uh, it really exacerbated the symptoms. Uh, but I don't care because I, I, if, if it's out there, I want to find it. Yeah, I was talking to my wife just the other night, and, and the words came out of my mouth, you know, I'm so happy these days. Life is very good, you know, even though, even though I, I've got this thing. You know, when I talk to my friends who are in the industry, they just, they have so much hope, and they, like, really truly believe that they will find a cure. And that conveyed to me is a message that it just keeps me going. You know, believing is a strong medicine. It's possible to live with Parkinson's and still have a normal life and uh, take care of your, yourself and your home and your family. I think what I would like other people to do is to, to get involved now. Let's, let's become militant about it and try to find a way to, to solve this problem. Parkinson's will probably be the first neurodegenerative disorder for which we find a cure because it's very discreet uh, and compared to the other neurodegenerative disorders we know quite a bit about it. This is a disease for which there's every reason to be optimistic. There are many different therapeutic developments being explored that I think hold a great promise for the future. The good thing is that it, you can fight this, you can resist. I'm not saying you can't I've, I've not been able to stop it. If someone can tell me how to stop it, please tell me how to stop it. But I feel as if uh, positive mental attitude, uh, believing that, that things are going to get better, I'm, I believe that they're going to find a cure for this thing, and, and this will not be the way that I end. <laughs> so those kind of hopes, you know, and seeing wonderful things, you know, like success on my job, uh, my children succeeding, my wife happy. These are, these are <laughs> incredible things, and if I can just keep my eyes on that, rather than the original diagnosis, I can make it. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.